What's up, Bridge Youth? How you guys doing tonight? Hey, thanks so much for joining us tonight. If you got a Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 14. That was the that was my first time. That was my first time seeing the bumper video. That was, that was sick. I don't know where you're at, Trinity, but hey, good job. Oh, there you are. You're sitting right next to my wife. This is why we pay you the big bucks. Good job. Um, you don't get paid for that. So, hey, thanks so much for coming and hanging out tonight. Um, if you are brand new, can I just say welcome? We think it's so cool that in the midst of your busy schedule and everything you got going on, you chose to come and spend some time with us. That's awesome. We like welcoming our guests every week in a way that never gets old for us. We like saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, we love you. We back you. Thanks for coming and hanging out tonight. Hey, can I just share uh, one thing of, uh, in the way of announcements before we dig into the message? The last Sunday of this month, which is, uh, it's, the, wait, it's the 29th, yes? Is that when baptisms is or is baptisms November? It's the 29th of this month, October 29th. In the immortal words of Nacho Libre, why have you not been baptized? <laughs> um, dude, if you've never been baptized... It's kind of like the next step in your faith journey. So if you've not been baptized, I would love to baptize you. It'll look something like this. And then I'll let you out of the water and it'll be awesome. And we just love celebrating baptism with you. So go online, go sign up. I'd love to baptize you. Hey, tonight we're kicking off a brand new series entitled WWJD, which of course stands for... What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do was this sort of movement that was created by people to help figure out how to respond to the many questions, decisions, circumstances, and situations of life. Um, it, act as, it, it kind of acted as a sort of filter for Christians and how they should live their lives. And though it kind of became a little bit cliche, and, but the, like, the, the, I'm actually wearing two WWJD bracelets uh, tonight. Um, the bracelets like kind of came back in fashion a few years ago. And um, even though it was a little bit cliche, I honestly cannot think of a better filter for us to have over our lives than what would Jesus do? I mean, Romans 8 in verse 29, it says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Another version says to be conformed into the image or likeness of Jesus, aka our life's greatest goal as Christians, it should be to try to live as much like Jesus as possible. So here's our hope through this series. It's that we would all create this sort of habit every single day of asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? In every single one of life's situations, circumstances, and every decision that we have to make. Here's how much we believe in this idea of WWJD. We have, like we said, we had a small gift uh, for everybody tonight, and we actually have a WWJD bracelet for everybody tonight. On your way out tonight after service, grab one, throw it on your wrist, not as like this religious, obligatory, you guys probably never even heard that word, ob obligatory, oh gosh, now I can't say it, I grew up with a speech impediment, and it's hard for me to say obligatory, everybody say obligatory, you ever say a word too many times, and it starts sounding weird, you know, like, like, spork, 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 or then you crack your knuckles with 300 students, Isaiah, that was genius, dude, it was creepy, man, you ever crack your knuckles underwater, that has nothing to do with the message, let's keep moving on, so tonight, as you leave, there's going to be some leaders at the back of uh, our exit doors giving you a free bracelet. Throw it on your wrist. Let it work and act as a filter 
for this whole month. Because through this series, what we're going to be doing, we're going to be looking um, at different situations Jesus was in to help us figure out what he would do. And tonight, we are going to be answering the question, what would Jesus do when presented with a need? What would Jesus do when there's a need in front of him, when there's an opportunity to meet a need? What would Jesus do when he saw the homeless man with the sign that simply reads, help? What would Jesus do when his friend calls him and lets him know, dude, I'm struggling. I'm over here hanging on by a thread. What would Jesus do when, when he was in high school and, and he went out to lunch and he saw the kid sitting all by himself, all alone with not a single friend? What would Jesus do when presented with a need? And then as a result, what is God calling us to do when we are presented with a need? Here's your sermon in a sentence. If you remember nothing else, remember this and walk away with this. Do what you can when you can. Do what you can when you can. Say that with me. Do what you can when you can. Say it with me again. Do what you can when you can. I want you to remember that because tonight, as we're talking about needs, it's not about you meeting every single need in the entire world. It's just about you doing what you can, when you can. And what we're going to dig into tonight is a story called The Feeding of the 5,000. It is a miracle in Scripture that actually uh, is found in all four of the Gospels, but we'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 14, a place in space where Jesus was presented with a need and a really big need, and we're going to see what Jesus did. So would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word? We are going to read Matthew chapter 13, uh, Matthew chapter 14, sorry, verse 13 to 21. If you have a Bible app and you want the same version, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, don't trip chocolate chip. It'll be up on the screens in the sky Bible, as we like to call it. Here we go. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge, everybody say, like Trump, everybody go, huge. It's election year, guys. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to get an email that's like, oh, Pastor Corey was trying to suggest this. I wasn't. Shut up. <laughs> huge. <laughs> the huge crowd. Now I can't even find my place because I bought a Bible that the print is literally microscopic, you guys. I don't know if the print's really small or if I'm getting old, but it's hard to read. But sure, it looks, isn't that a cute little Bible? That's why I bought it. Where were we? There it is. Verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. I want you to remember that part. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, eh, that's not necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples. Who did he give the bread to? Remember that as well. Who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. Somebody say amen. This is, a, this is a sick miracle. A miracle that results in you eating as much as you want. And I like to believe that, like, the calories from this fish and the loaves just didn't count because, like, Jesus 
you know, multiplied it. So it's just like totally fits into your keto, vegan, vegetarian. If you are vegan or vegetarian, don't worry. There'll be an altar call at the end of this message and you'll be able to get saved. <laughs> it just fits straight into your diet. Um, he gave it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12. How many? How many disciples were there? You remember? Interesting. Picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Verse 21, the last verse. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you are good. I pray that tonight you would speak to uh, speak through me. Get me out of your way, God. Come do what only you can do. God, I do just pause right now and pray, God, a miracle as substantial as the feeding of the 5,000. God, I pray that you would help the Las Vegas Raiders, God, to, I don't know, get rid of Josh McDaniels or something. God, this is getting ridiculous, but I still have faith because I'm a man of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Grab a seat. Hey, who's stoked for a fall? I know, ladies, you're getting your scarves out. It's time for pumpkin spice lattes. You're going to Peltzer's to grab a pumpkin. Not a pumpkin, but a pumpkin. Who's stoked for Halloween? Like, I love, I love fall. I love Halloween in our area. The Temecula Valley, fall is so dope. It's so sick. Um, I remember one Halloween when I was a kid, me and my family, we went to, uh, we went to Wienerschnitzel, which is bomb. I don't care what you say. I, I care not. Arby's and Wienerschnitzel are both gas. They're delicious. And if you think otherwise, your taste buds don't work, bro. But, like, I grew, up, I grew up in the 90s, and in the 90s, like, you guys, one of the things that you've been robbed of that you don't even realize is, like, the fast food chain, like, Happy Meal-type meals, um, the toys that you would get. They give you guys garbage. Growing. Your generation got straight garbage in your, like, fast food meal toy things. They, like, I, I, I got my niece and nephews, like, a Happy Meal, and it was, like, a cardboard thing they had to assemble. I'm like, when I was a kid, we were getting, like, legitimate cars. I got a bicycle one time. From, no, I didn't. But Wiener Central at, at, um, at Halloween time, they had these, like, vintage Halloween flashlights. And they were so dope. Here, I think we have a picture of them. Dude, those were them. They had these flashlights at Wiener Schnitzel. They were so sick. And I remember me and my brother, uh, we got our meal and we got our flashlight. And we're kind of arguing over who got which one. Because, like, as boys, like, neither of us wanted the pink one, you know. Like, now I have, like, pink shoes. And, like, I actually love the color pink. But, like, as a, as a little boy, you're like, no, nah, man, I'm a man. I can't have nothing pink. So me and my brother, we're arguing over them. We're fighting over them. We're not even eating. We're just playing with the flashlights. So my, my dad, my stepdad, he takes both of them from us, and he goes, boys, eat your meal. And so we're like, okay, cool. And so we're eating, but we're still arguing over who's going to get the flashlight of choice, you know? And we're fighting over it. We're talking about it. We're not even eating. Finally, my dad goes, all right, boys, whoever finishes their meal first gets to choose their flashlight. <laughs> like we were, are you, anybody watch anime? Where's all the anime nerds at? You're my people, bro. Oh, I love you so much. If you don't watch anime, what's wrong with you? You know an anime when they start eating and it's just like, like there's, that was us. We're eating so fast, bro, because we both wanted the flashlight of our choice. And then, and then my brother, who, let me just preface this by saying, has asthma. My brother, who has asthma, like he left in ambulances before. Like that's how bad his, his asthma was. I remember this. My brother, who's got like, deadly asthma, starts choking on his food. 
The whole family stops. We all pause. We're like, Josh, are you okay? He's, he's like starting to turn purple, which didn't take much. This dude is like a walking glass of milk. He's so white. <laughs> and so we're like, and all of us are like, oh my gosh. I look at my dad. My dad looks at me. I look at my brother. My brother's choking on his wiener schnitzel, looking at me, and I just go, <laughs> and I start eating really, really fast. And I finish my meal while my brother's dying. I didn't care that my brother was dying. I just wanted my vintage Wiener Schnitzel Halloween flashlight. And I still have that flashlight to this day. No, I don't. I don't know where it went. But gosh, it was sick. It was so cool. I didn't care. Look at your neighbor. Say, I don't care. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Say, I don't care. Point one, if you're taking notes, God loves you more if you are taking notes. If you're not taking notes, then, gosh, I mean, I guess just like hair in your Chipotle next time you go. Yeah, well, point number one, Jesus cares. Jesus cares. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus saw the people, but he didn't just see the people and see their needs. He actually cared. I read this study from the University of Michigan that noted that young people today are somewhere around 40% less empathetic than young people in the 1970s. One of the reasons why they think is the overexposure to tragedy via social media. But the point is, is that young people today care about half as much when they see a need, when they see tragedy, when they see somebody in distress. And I don't know about you, but like this breaks my heart. See, one of my greatest fears is that our culture and our society is developing in I don't care generation. And I'm just here to say apathy and this I don't care heart, it is anti-gospel. Dare I say it's anti-Christ. This I'm going to walk through life and not care about what others are going through, what others are dealing with, what's going on, and we'll see a need and not even care. It is not Christian. I'm here to speak against the culture of selfishness. And I pray against the culture of self-focus. I declare that you are going to be a compassionate, generous generation. That was so hard for me to say. I can't tell you how many times I practiced that in my office. That you are going to be a compassionate, generous generation who cares for the needs of others. I declare that over you in Jesus' name. Generous generation are two very hard words for a guy who grew up with a speech impediment to say back to back. Generous generation, generous generation. I literally practice those things. I declare that you will not get sucked into this, this horrible way of living that always focuses on self. But instead, you would run towards what others run from. And that you would be a generation committed to being the hands and feet of Jesus. So let me ask you, um, when you see a need, do you care? Let's take it a step further. Further, Do you even notice the need? Do you even notice the need? Or are the needs around you something like the full sink of dishes at your house that you walk by and then your mom goes, um, excuse me, do you see those dishes? And you're like, oh no, I guess I didn't even notice. You know what breaks my heart so much? People who literally just step over homeless people, who walk past them like they're not there who pretend as if they're invisible and they're not a person just because they have a need. Let that not be us. Christians in the room. Let me preach to Christians in the room. That should not be us. 
We should not turn a blind eye to the needs around us. Jesus, what would he do? He saw the need and he cared. He had compassion. We should see needs and we should have compassion. We should see the world. We should see the needy and we should care for them. Amen? What would Jesus do? He would notice the need and he would care. If you don't care, if you're in this room and and every bit of life, don't, don't give me, um, you know I'm getting serious when I pull up my sleeves. I'm so serious. I'm wearing two WWJD bracelets. I'm walking around going, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? <laughs> um, if, you are, if you are a young person who you go through life and everything's just fun and games, and it's constantly I don't care, you have to check your heart. You've, you have to check your heart. You have to pause. You have to stop. And you have to realize that probably what has happened is culture, society, and probably the enemy has infiltrated your heart, your mind, and has influenced you in such a way where you actually have something in you that's just ungodly. Here's one of the best prayers that you could pray if that happens to be you. Because for some of us, it's, it's, um, it's unintentional. Like for much of your generation, it's not your fault. But if that is you, if you're able to look at the needy, if you're able to look at the distraught, the desperate, the depressed, the hurting, the hopeless, if you're able to look at all that and not have a care in the world, here's the best prayer you could pray. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, would you break my heart? Maybe you want to write that prayer down. God, would you break my heart for what breaks yours. Moving on, Jesus sees the need. He cares. Number two, Jesus gives. Jesus gives. Jesus didn't just see the people. He did something about it. Jesus didn't just see the people. He did something about it. I love what Benjamin Franklin said. Benjamin Franklin said, uh, uh, well done is better than well said. Sorry, but not sorry. Feeling sorry for someone has never helped anyone. Feeling sympathetic for someone has never hurt, has never helped anybody. It might not hurt the situation, but it's the, it doesn't help the situation. Let me just say, you, you guys know the saying, it's the thought that counts. You know, like that works when like it's grandma and you were going to buy her a gift, but you had no money. So you made her like a macaroni piece of art. And grandma's like, this is butt ugly, but you know, hey, it's the thought that counts. Can I tell you, when it comes to faith, it is not the thought that counts. It's not the thought that counts. God is calling you to do something about it. Look at your neighbor say, do something about it. Because one day when we die and go to heaven, hopefully, Jesus will look at you and look at me and he'll say, well done. He, for some, I'm scared that for some of y'all, he's just going to say, well I'm scared that for some, you think he's going to say, well-intentioned, well-thought. Well, I know you were planning on one day. No, he says, well done. Because in James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action. Somebody say action. If not accompanied by action, it's dead. See, there's a lot of Christians who talk about faith. They listen to worship music. They go to church. Shoot, they even pray. But they don't never do anything about it. 
And the Bible says that that kind of faith sucks. The Bible says that that kind of faith is dead. It's useless. God's not just calling you to have good intentions. God's not calling you to just have sympathy for people. He's calling you to do something about it. So are you a person of faith? If so, when was the last time you did something about it? Because I love what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis said, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. I love what Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says in the message revision. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I remember one Halloween, we were doing some uh, missions outreach stuff um, in downtown Lake Elsinore. And I remember from a distance, I saw this... um, this homeless guy who uh, whose shoes were like just wrecked. They were like the they were like the Velcro shoes, and the Velcro's fallen off. But the thing I remembered the most was that like the side of his shoes were torn open, and he was like half of his feet he was walking on the ground. And I immediately felt in my heart, God, just tell me, go give him your shoes. So like a good godly man of faith, I began to make excuses in my own heart. <laughs> I thought dude, isn't it going to be weird? He's going to, he's going to think I'm so awkward. Here's a really good excuse I had. But what shoes will I wear for the rest of the night? And then here was, here was the, here was the one that I was like, oh yeah, checkmate God, like done deal. I thought to myself, hmm, he's bigger than me. He's taller than me. We don't wear the same, the same shoe size. And then I felt God kind of nudge my heart and go, why don't you go find out? I wear a size 10 and a half if anybody wants to get me a Christmas gift. Um, So I walk over to the guy and I meet him and, and he's there actually with his, he's actually there with his mom. And I meet the two of them and we're talking for a little bit. They're asking what we're doing. And we're like, oh, we're with our church. Just, uh, just doing some Halloween outreach stuff and giving some kids some candy and things like that. And um, he's like, oh, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah, man. And, And having learned his name and chat for a little bit, I just couldn't get away from this idea of giving him the shoes off of my feet. Let me preface this also by saying the shoes that I was wearing, they were all black. Um, They were black on black uh, Vans um, classics. And I remember that because they're the shoes that I wore to my wedding. It was the same year that I had gotten married. So then I, like, not being able to shake this, I go, hey, man, I know this might be weird. might be a little bit awkward. I hope it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. But what are those? No, I didn't say that. (laughs) I said... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, ever, you ever have intrusive thoughts and then you, it's like, that's not in my notes. It's just when you have intrusive thoughts and you have a microphone in your hand in front of 300 teenagers, it's dangerous. Um, I said, I said, dude, um, <laughs> I said, this is really random, man. Hopefully it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. But what size shoe do you wear? He goes, who, me? I go, yeah. He goes, 10 and a half. I go, dude, I know that this, is my, this might be weird, man, but like from across the field, I saw that your shoes, they're not in the best of shape, man. I'd love to give you the shoes off my feet, which immediately, like so humbly, he's like, no, no, dude, like I can't do that. I can't take your shoes. And so I'm like, yeah, and, he, and he checkmates me. He goes, what shoes are you going to wear for the rest of the night? I was like, shoot, <laughs> he's got a point. 
So I lied to him. And I said, ah, don't worry about it, man. I got flip-flops in the car. I'll just run to the car and grab my flip-flops. And he's like, are you sure? And then I start feeling his, his heart's kind of opening, and he's like about to let me bless him. And I was like, why don't you do this, man? Just try them on. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'll just try them on. So then I take the shoes off my feet, and I give them to him, and he puts them on immediately. You ever, you ever see someone who's just like feeling themselves? You can just see they're confident. He puts them on, and he's like, you look pretty good, huh? I was like, bro, you look so good in those. And he's like, yeah, they're not. He's like, but I can't take your shoes. And I go, they're already on your feet, dude. I'm not taking them back. He's like, what about you? I was like, I'm going to go get the flip-flops out of my car. Went to the car, no flip-flops. I was literally barefoot for the rest of our Halloween outreach in downtown Lake Elsinore. But can I tell you, I saw that guy like a month later wearing those shoes, and I can't tell you what it did for my heart. Are you a person of faith? When was the last time you met a need that was within your reach, a need that you can meet. What would Jesus do? He would give and he would meet the need that's in front of him. And can I tell you, he wouldn't do it to just post on his Instagram or TikTok. He wouldn't do it just to make himself feel good. Don't meet needs just so that you can have emotional satisfaction and be seen by others. Meet needs because you really do care and you can help. See, I'm not trying to get you to go meet needs. Uh, I'm not trying to, like, guilt you into it. But the thing is, is I just don't want you to be robbed of how amazing and exhilarating and fulfilling it is to just serve God by meeting the needs around you. I love the way Matthew 25, verse 35 to 40, it says this. Jesus is talking, and he says to people, at the end of time, on the other side of eternity, face to face with them, he says, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked. Okay, calm down. And you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the people that Jesus is talking to in this moment, they're confused and they go, boy, it says, uh, then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality? When did we see you naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Let me tell you, when we meet needs, Jesus takes it personally. When we meet needs, Jesus takes it personally. Every need you will ever meet, Jesus looks at it as if you met that need for him. This is why it, 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 it trumps the, oh, there we are again with Trump. Oh, my God. Maybe it's a word from the Lord. Stop. Don't email me. Don't tell your parents to email me for the love of God. <laughs> Biden. There, I said it. <laughs> um, uh, you just feel the tension in the room whenever you're, this, like, totally just dismisses the, like, okay, meet their needs, but what if they don't deserve it? What? Like, as if you deserved everything God ever blessed you with? As if I deserved everything God ever blessed me with? Oh, but what if, what if they use that dollar and 27 cents to go buy crack? That's not up to you to figure out and to decide. That's not up for you to sit there and worry about. Do they deserve it? If they deserve it, if they not, just bless people and meet a need as if you're just doing it for Jesus because that's how Jesus sees it. 
Is there a need in front of you that you can meet? Is there a need around you that you can meet? Think about it right now. Is there a need that you can meet? I pray that this week as you go through life, you have, you, and, and you look down at your wrist and you see that bracelet. I pray that if there's a need and you look down at that bracelet and go, what would Jesus do? That you just step into whatever it is that you think he would do. Man, I can't tell you how, I can't tell you how fun it is to bless people. Amber and I, we've, I mean, we've let people live with us. We've given away shoes and clothes and cars. We've paid people's rent. And none of this is to in any way brag about us. It's all to say, and I've never not seen God turn around and just bless me. Now, here's the thing. We don't bless to get blessed. We're blessed so we can be a blessing. Maybe you're like, well, I'm not blessed. You know why you're probably not blessed? Because God has been spectating your life, and he realizes that if he drops blessing into your life, that he cannot trust you to turn around and bless somebody else. You should be a conduit of blessing. Is there someone around you that you can bless? Now, here's the thing. Every need in the entire world is not on your shoulders. Everyone just take a deep breath. (sighs) You don't have to meet every single need you ever see. It's not like I'm wanting you to feel guilty every time you don't stop and give 20 bucks to the homeless guy on the freeway off ramp. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do what you can when you can. I'm not suggesting you give away something you don't have. God will not ask you to give away that which he hasn't already blessed you with. If he's blessed you with it, you have a responsibility to now be a good steward of it. But also, don't go and, like, try to meet needs when it's stupid. Like, like don't go and approach some random stranger at midnight when you're 12 years old. That's not faithfulness, that's foolishness. But what if all of us just collectively did what we can, when we can? That's just like how I picture a little like 14-year-old making an excuse to not bless people. Everybody say, but Pastor Corey. See, that is what you sound like. But Pastor Corey, there's so much more that I can't do than I can do. Oh, dope. The disciples had the same excuse. Matthew 14, verse 16, in the, in the story we just read. You feed them, Jesus said. And they go, but we only have five. We only have, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Don't be so focused on what you can't do that you overlook what God can do. Just bring what you have and see what God will do. Just do what you can, when you can, and watch God do what only he can do. WWJD, he would give. The last point is the band heads up. We start landing this thing. Point number three, Jesus dares. Where's all my boys at? You remember when you were a kid and somebody dared you to do something? And you're like, ah, man, like, I don't want to do that. And they go, I double dare you. And you're like, now I have to do it. It's like a life or death situation. But as men, it's like my pride is on the line. I must do this thing. You guys ever play What Are the Odds? Like, What Are the Odds got, like, huge. One of my friends, he had to stick his finger in a, um, the toilet on a bus coming back from a youth Six Flags trip because he lost What Are the Odds. When I asked him, what are the odds you put your hand in the, in the toilet on the, on the bus, he said, huh, one in ten? It's like, what's the matter with you? Like, that's, that's one in 10,000 at least, right? Jesus dares. What does he dare to do? He dares to include others in on his plan and mission. In this situation, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus could have done it alone, but he didn't. 
We can't do it alone, so we shouldn't. There's four characters in this feeding of the 5,000. And I want to break them down real quick as we close. And I want you to ask yourself, which one are you? Number one, there's the people in need. Do you have a need in your life? Is there... Dude in the middle wants to preach, man. <laughs> Go ahead. I got the mic. You want to come and t- preach? Do you have a need in your life? Because you don't, but others do. And it's hilarious how when others don't have a need, they always want to take the attention onto themselves and be the distraction for those who do have a need. So for the, so for the young girl in the room whose grandma died this week and does have a need, can I tell you, we are here for you. For the young person, and that's a true story, for the young person whose parents don't know how they're going to pay the rent, and you have a need, can I tell you, Jesus sees you, and he cares, and he has compassion, and he wants to come through. For the young person who you've been diagnosed with every single one of the mental illnesses on the chart, For the young person in our youth ministry who tried to take their life four times, but you're still here and you're still fighting, can I tell you, young person, no matter what your need is, Jesus sees you, God sees you, and he cares. And he wants to come through. But when I read this story, I can't help but to think, like, should we always just be the one in need Or maybe it's time to graduate, because there was also in this story a second character. There was a little boy. When I read this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke for the first time when I was young, I remember thinking to myself, um, where'd the five loaves and two fish come from? And John chapter 6, verse 9, which records the same version of the story we read in Matthew 14, it says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? There was just this little boy who offered what he had. And others laughed, doubted, mocked. They said things like, how much can so little accomplish? They said things like, it's not enough. Can I tell you, when you simply bring what you have to God, there will always be voices of doubt and criticism. Don't listen to them. There will always be voices of distraction. Don't listen to them. There'll always be the voices that say, you are not popular enough, you're not good enough. There'll always be voices that say, it's a $1 bill, it's not a $5 bill, what will that do? There will always be voices that say, why post that on your Instagram? You've only got 50 followers, who cares? There will always be the critics and the doubters and the haters that come along and try to say things like, what good will that do anyways? Your job isn't to solve world hunger. You can't do that, but you could buy a burger. You will not be the solution to Gen Z's mental health epidemic. But you could be that friend's best encourager. You can be the person who over and over and over again says, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. I back you, I'm praying for you, God's with you. You might not be in a place where you can go pay someone's rent, but you have 50 pairs of shoes in your closet, like I do, and maybe you could go grab a few pairs and figure out who you can give them to. The weather's changing and it's getting cold. 
I remember I, I had made friends with a homeless guy that I would always see at um, In-N-Out uh, over in South Temecula. And I remember he had asked, uh, I had asked him, like, hey, like, is there anything I could get you out? Let me buy you dinner. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. So I bought him dinner. I said, is there anything else I could get for you? It's like, what do you need, man? Like, is there anything that you need? And he goes, dude, the biggest thing I need, man, is like, like blankets, like a blanket or anything. And the Duns had actually just bought me a gift. It was a, a Dunder Mifflin, like an office uh, uh, quilt like type blanket. And so I was like, dude, I got you. I ran to my car. It was brand new. Brought it over. I'm still fresh in the packaging. I said, here, dude, like you can have my blanket. And he's like, it's brand new. Are you sure? I was like, totally. So I gave it to him. And it was so cool. So I was leaving, um, leaving in and out I see him riding up the street on his bike. And he's got the Dunder Mifflin uh, blanket tied around his neck like a cape. I'm like, that's so sick. So I text the Duns and I said, hey, you blessed me with a simple gift. And I realized that it wasn't that that gift was for me. I was just the conduit that God wanted to use to give that blessing to somebody else. How many blankets do you have in your house? What if you went to your mom and dad and said, hey, can we take a couple of our old blankets, just stick it in the car, have it sitting there. And if we see a homeless person over the next few weeks, just, I don't know, go give it to them. Is there a need around you that you can meet? Maybe you're like the little boy who will just bring to Jesus the little that he has and watch him use it. God wants to use you, just the question is, will you let him? Because God can't bless a clenched fist. But then there was the disciples in this story as well. And if you remember, the little boy brought to Jesus his small little lunch and Jesus multiplies that. And Jesus being Jesus, he could have given this food out in any way. He's Jesus, right? He walked on water one time. He could have like, like uh, in the great hall in Harry Potter, like snapped his finger and all the food just appeared in front of everybody because he's Jesus and he could do stuff like that. But that's not what he did. He took that resource and he put it in the hands of the disciples and the disciples then took that resource and went and blessed people with it. Are you a leader that God can put resource in your hands because he knows that you'll take it and go be a blessing to others? Maybe it's time for you to step up and step in. Maybe it's time for you to not just be the one who's like, I need my needs met. Maybe it's, it's not just the, well, God, here's the little bit that I have. Maybe it's time that you bring the little you have, watch God multiply it, watch God do a miracle, and then you be the one to go and give that to those around. It seems like so often Christians pray, um, God, send someone. And I feel like sometimes God's like, you're someone. The fourth character is obviously Jesus. Okay, but like, I can't be Jesus. This whole series is called, What Would Jesus Do? And I love that what Jesus did is he assembled and mobilized leaders. Some of you, you're not just a leader, you're a leader of leaders. Is it possible that you could be a leader that gathers other people to not just meet a small need, to meet a much bigger need? Dylan Olivia, where you at? Where you at, Dylan? There you are. Uh, years ago when Dylan was in high school, you remember when you did the, the homeless packs? Um, how many did you make? Do you remember? Yeah, like 200 homes. It was um, hygienic stuff, just like big Ziploc bags, basically, that um, he went around to different places and got donations and 
and spent some of his own money to fill these things. We, we partnered with him and helped. And, and then we ended up not just our team, a bunch of our team took those packs in and we were handing them out. He handed them out. Remember, we also went and partnered with the Dream Center in Lake Elsinore. And we went downtown and they were like, dude, you have no idea. You're giving us a hundred, over a hundred packs for the homeless. This was a high school kid who just had something in his heart. Was it a school project? It was a school project. How cool is that? This is the type of stuff God wants to do through you, that everybody else sees a school project as a way to get a grade. You see it as a way to meet needs. And over 200 people were blessed because one person said, not only am I going to assemble these packs that are resources, I'm gonna get them into the hands of other leaders that can then take them where I never will. Maybe it's time we start leading like Jesus. Here's something. So I close like, here's a thought that I can't help but get over. I can't get over this thought. God includes us in his plan. He, he includes us in his mission. Jesus could have done it all on his own, but he included others. And God can do what he wants to do on earth without you and me. But he wants to use us. To me, that's just amazing. So what if we just do what we can when we can? I challenge you to do that this week. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes as we pray? God, I pray that, um, God, I pray that you would just work and that you would move and that you would soften our hearts. God, I pray anybody in this room who doesn't know you, who doesn't have relationship with you. God, I pray that, that they would realize, God, that their greatest need is you. God, I pray that tonight they would step into relationship with you. I pray that tonight that they would, that their hearts would be open to receiving the provision of the greatest need that they've ever had. And that's you. That's forgiveness of sin. And you provided that for us. God, you are so generous. The most famous verse in all of your scripture says that you so loved the world that you gave. And you gave your only son for us that we can step into relationship with you. So I pray hearts would be open to do just that tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here tonight and you would say, that is me, Pastor Corey. I'm hearing your message. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And, and truly, I want to be used by God. I want to meet needs for others. But the truth is, is I'm not even in relationship with God. I don't know this Jesus, but I want to. I want forgiveness of my sin. I want the greatest need in my life, a relationship with God, a relationship with my Savior. I want that tonight. You can have it. And it's so simple. God has made it so simple. Scripture says that Jesus, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if you would just open that door, he would come in and he'd start relationship with you. So as, as, as just an act, a way of saying, yeah, yeah I'm going to open that door of my heart. I, I believe in God. I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. What I'm going to invite you to do is something really simple. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand, and then you can put it right back down. This isn't you saying yes to a church. This isn't you saying yes to a preacher. This is you saying yes to Jesus. This is you getting the provision for the biggest need you've ever had, the need of your soul, forgiveness of your sin, and a relationship with your heavenly Father. When I get to three, you just lift your hand. One, two, three, go. All over this place. You can put it right back down. Man, that's the best decision you've ever made with your life. What we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. 
These are just words that we say with our mouth and we believe in our heart. So man, make these words your words and wrap your heart around them. Everybody say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Amen. Hey, without anybody distracting anybody, would you stand to your feet? Would you head to the front? We're going to pray over needs right now. We're going to take time to pray over needs. If, if, you, if you have a need in your life that you need prayer over and you want to automatically just head to the prayer stations, feel free. Head over to the prayer stations. They're open. They're ready. Our prayer teams are ready to pray for you. But tonight, what I really want to do is I, I, I want to take time to pray for each other. What, what tonight, what I'm going to do is, like, I think that there's going to be needs in the room that I could not go and pray for every single person. Can I encourage you guys with something when it comes to needs? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can't meet every need. Like, I can't even go and pray for every single person one by one in this room. But a really cool thing that Jesus did in this story of the feeding of the 5,000, he, he like separated everybody into groups of 50. And then the disciples were the one and got into those groups and were like, hey guys, here's your food. This isn't in my notes, but it's just my imagination running wild. It was just a few laters that Jesus, that Jesus was crucified. He died, he resurrected, and then he ascended to heaven. And I just think of like guys like Peter, who was there that day. And Peter, you know, Jesus called him the rock that, that upon this rock I'll build my church. And, and, and Peter was one of the leaders of the early church. And when they started building these churches, I can't help but to think that people went to Peter's church and he was like, hey, did you come because you heard about Jesus? And they go, yeah, kind of. But you remember that day that we were all out there in that field and it was getting late and we were hungry? And Jesus like in a crazy way multiplied all those all those pieces of bread and all that fish. And Peter's like, yeah, I remember that. And I can't help but to think, maybe Peter, maybe these people went to Peter and were like, dude, you're the one who came and fed me and my kids. Dude, we hadn't, we hadn't eaten for days, man. And now, you know, we just want to come and be a part of your church because, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but we met our need. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the needs of those around us. Um, some of you, like, you naturally have assembled, like, in your group of friends, and so cool. Like, we'll just pray for each other right there. For some of you, you're just, like, kind of around a couple of other people. Cool, too. Um, but I think there's so many of us in the room that have a need, except for one kid in the middle who said no. Uh, no prayer for him. Just kidding. <laughs> I was just joking, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, so many of us, we have needs, and there's stuff going on. And I think instead of me just being like, well, let me pray a prayer over Let's do what Jesus did. Let's have a moment when we meet each other's needs in prayer. I'm gonna be the first to say, um, while we pray, would you guys pray for me and my wife? Because we're trying to figure out how in the world we're gonna buy a house in this God-forsaken state. Um, we feel called to the bridge and we feel called here really long-term, but we've made a lot of sacrifices to do ministry. And when we look at houses cost and the market and interest rates, it's going to take a lot of faith for us to 
find a home. But we know this, that God's our provider. So while we pray, if you would pray for me and Amber about that. But just by a show of hands, is there anybody else in the room, whether it's for you or maybe you're standing um, in the gap for a family member or a friend, um, anybody else just have a need that they would want prayer over? Are raising your hands? Anybody else? Cool. Okay. Let's do this. For the next like 30, 45 seconds, if someone's raising their hand, why don't you just turn to them and just pray for them. Just turn amongst your groups right now as I pray and just pray for each other. Let's just do what Jesus would do and respond to a need. So go ahead, just start praying for each other right there. If you guys want to move over to the prayer stations right now and go get prayer from our prayer teams, feel free. While you guys pray, I'm going to just pray a corporate prayer over all of us. Again, our prayer stations are open. If anybody wants to go write your need down and put it in the fence and have the prayer teams over there pray, you're more than welcome. You guys go ahead and keep praying. I'm going to pray over all of us. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would meet needs. God, I pray those who are struggling, maybe in their health or their mental health, God, would you bring them peace? God, would you bring them strength? God, I pray for hope for the hopeless. God, I pray for those who have been brokenhearted over something that's gone on in their life. Maybe there's a loved one, a friend, a family member who's just like totally betrayed their trust. And they for weeks have been crying themselves to sleep. God, I pray that you would just heal their heart, give them peace, give them strength to keep moving forward. God, I pray for the young person in the room that's been struggling with suicidal thoughts. God, I pray that you would just supernaturally give them hope and life. God, I pray that they would always and forever choose life. God, as we're praying for each other, I pray for those who aren't in this room who are like lonely and they don't have friends and they don't have community. God, I pray we would be the ones that go and find them and give community. I pray for the one in the room that feels invisible in a packed room. God, I pray that they would know they're seen, that you see them and you care. God, I pray for the ones who have financial needs in their family. God, I pray that you would provide. You said you're our provider, so we trust you. We trust that you'll come through. God, I pray for those who have recently or are soon to go and have surgery. God, over something that's keeping them from doing what it is that they love. God, would you give them a speedy recovery? Would you give them a a, a quick healing, God? Would you come through so that they could get back to the things that they love and are passionate about? God, I pray in Jesus' name that that you would come and meet every single need in this room. Every single need in this room, God. I pray you would meet those needs because we believe you can. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. There's one more prayer I want to pray before we go. The prayer I want to pray is not just that, that our needs would be met, but that we would meet needs. I want to pray against this, like, I don't care, selfish, self-focused heart and attitude, that that wouldn't be us. Like, are you, ask yourself these questions, just like in your own heart. Am I willing to allow God to use what I have? As like, 
small and insignificant as it might seem, am I willing to let God use what I have? Am I willing to be sent by God like the disciples were sent into the crowds to provide needs? God, could, could I be the leader that doesn't just go and meet an individual need, but that gathers other leaders? God, could I possibly be the leader with influence that grabs one, two, three friends, five, six, a hundred, and says, instead of me just meeting a need, let's gather together and collectively meet a greater need. Could that be me, God? As you ask all these questions, I want to pray that this week, if there's an opportunity to meet a need, that we would step up and meet that need. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? If you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands as I pray this over you? God, I pray for a selfless generation. God, I pray for a generation that's not so self-focused that they are blind to the needs around them. God, I pray for a generation that's able to both literally and metaphorically lift their eyes, to get their faces out of their phones, to get their focus off of themselves, to pick their heads and their eyes up and to look around at a world that's full of desperation, that a world that's hungry and lost and hopeless. And no matter what the need is, that we would realize that we have the answer. So that answer is you. Now, God, I just right now, I commission and I send these young people off this week to go and meet needs. God, I pray that there would be, man, just, I pray that there'd be a ton of hungry, homeless people that wouldn't have lunch or dinner this week, but there'll be teenagers that go and buy them lunch and dinner. I pray that this week, that there would be kids who every other day of the week, they sit alone at lunch, but they'll be pulled into a loving, caring group of friends. God, I pray that this week, there'll be young men in this room who stand up and defend those who cannot defend themselves. Gentlemen that step up and defend those who can't defend themselves. God, I pray that this week, maybe, just maybe, There's a young person out there somewhere that will not commit suicide because of the words of hope and encouragement that we'll share. God, I pray that this week that those who have given into hopelessness, God, that they would receive hope because of how much this group of young people will go and encourage them. And now, God, we just stop and we say thank you. God, thank you for including us in on your plan. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you're doing in this world, in this valley, in our schools, in our families, amongst our friends. Thank you, God, that you could have done it on your own, but you're pulling us into your plan. And to every bit of that plan, we say yes. God, we will go and do what we can when we can. We commit that to you tonight. In Jesus' name, let's worship.
You've got a lion 
is worthy. Who else is worthy? Come on, lift your hands tonight. And there is no one, only you, Jesus. Sing, who else is worthy? Who else is worthy? favorite parts they're very short but it's when Jesus tells the disciples you feed them and then there's another part when Jesus blesses the bread and blesses the fish and then it says that the disciples took it and distributed the bread and the fish the amazing part about that story is that Jesus in his power could have done it all and he could have made food appear in front of everyone in fact he didn't even need to have it appear in front of people they would have just been not not hungry anymore and he could have all just done it. But instead, Jesus chose to use his disciples. And it's the same thing with you and me. Is that the needs, not only in your life, but also the needs that you're around in your friend group, in your families, at your school, those needs can all be met by God faster than a blink of an eye. But yet God calls you to help meet those needs. Because God will not contradict his character to do the job, he will continue to use people in order to reach other people. One of the things that, that I have the honor of, uh, of doing here at the bridge is I get to be at Vista Marietta High School and also Chaparral High School as well for Bible clubs. And one of my missions, one of my goals this year at Bible clubs at Vista and at Chaparral is that we are taking the stories and the teachings of Jesus and we are translating them so that you can have an impact on your campus. So that the next time that you go to class, you would not walk like this, focused on what it is that you have to do next time, focus on the class that you're gonna be in, focus on what's you know next in your life. Instead, you would walk on campus like this, looking around for needs and looking around at people, saying, God, whatever class you have me in, whatever friend group you have you, whatever, whatever situation I'm walking through, God, I pray that my head would be lifted up so that I can not only see the need, but I can also have the opportunity to help meet the need as well. Because God wants to use you. And I know you're only in middle school, but God wants to use you. And I know that you're only a senior and you're about to leave next year, but God still wants to use you. Because as long as you are on that campus, he's not done with you on that campus. As long as you are at your middle school, he's not done with you yet. There's still a calling and a purpose for you to be there. And even in the next season of life, there's gonna be a purpose and a reason. But for right now, in the moment with which you are in, God has a purpose and God has a calling. So never look at your life as saying, God, I'm too young. God, I'm too small. God, I'm too, you know, insignificant to do something because God's the significant one. God's the great God. God's the good God. And he wants to use you to do something amazing at your school and in your life to be able to meet the needs around you. And for some of you, when you stepped into this place, 
You didn't know who God was. You didn't have a relationship with him. But now that you do, you can step into the calling and the purpose that God has for you because you are now a part of the family of God, whether, whether for the first time or as a rededication. So can we make some noise party people for the celebration that we get to have for the lives that were changed for all of eternity? And we want to help you out along that journey, and it's called The Next Seven Days. Really, all that it is is just helping you throughout this journey to get you kick-started for the next seven days, answering a few questions about what to do now, what faith is, who Jesus is. It just, it's, it's just a very helpful thing to be able to give to you. So all you have to do is follow us at Instagram. You don't really have to, but it's a cool, you know, why not? Uh, Hit us up on Instagram at bridge, YTH underscore. Just hit us up with next seven, and we will give you that resource to get you plugged in, not only into your faith, but also into this youth group. And speaking of which, Wednesdays are not the only days that we do church. We also have Sunday morning connect groups happening at 11.30 a.m. So you get to sleep in for a little bit, but come through at 11.30 because we have connect groups happening at that time. So come through this Sunday for that. Also, speaking of Sunday, for all of our leaders and for all of our team members, we are having team nights this Sunday starting off at 5 p.m. as a way to appreciate y'all. All we ask is if you serve in a team to just register RSVP. We just gotta know if you're coming or not. But also with that said, for all my fellas, can all my fellas say, yo. We gotta use our, our muscles, right? Our, our middle school noodle arms to lift and stack some of these chairs, uh, actually not some of them, all of them, after service. So please help us out with that if you are able to. Hey, you guys wanna get one more song of worship? Let's party. All right, Bridge Youth, we got one more song for you tonight. Is that okay? Yeah? All right, here we go.
forever change I know the old me is over and buried in the grave I don't care what they say cause I'll never be ashamed of This love that saved me 180, the type that's never faded So clap, throw up your hands If you know it, man, go ahead, call up your friends Cause we out here on a Wednesday, where we get? And if you want